BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022 by making investments from coast to coast. Investments like building charging hubs for fleets of electric buses in California and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. With Capella University's FlexPath learning format, you can earn your degree online at your own pace and get support from people who care about your success. Imagine your future differently at capella.edu. This isn't your average business podcast, and he's not your average host. This is the James Altucher Show on the Stansberry Radio Network. So, so I have Judy Bloom on the podcast. Judy, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Judy, I have to tell you, I've done hundreds of podcasts and interviews and everything, and this is the first time I am totally tongue-tied because it's not like you're somebody I know about since I've been an adult or in the past five years or the past year. Like, I feel like I've known, and I'm sure you get this all the time. I feel like I've known you since I've been 11 years old. Well, good. I'm glad. What, what's, I'm sure people say that to you all the time. And I, it could I, have been since you were seven. <laughs> it it might have been since I was seven. I'll tell you. I read forever at eleven, so maybe that. Oh was well, really... I'm I I okay. I would not want you reading forever at seven. <laughs> but but forever, I did read at eleven. Heck, I read Wifey at eleven. So anyway, uh, I have a, a, a whole bunch of questions. So okay. uh, I'm really thankful you you came on on the podcast, and um, in part, this is because you know I do want to say uh, we're going to talk about. Your, your recent book, In the Unlikely Event, which was incredible and really just as incredible as all of your, you know, all of the books you wrote when I was a kid. This is also an incredible book. But I want to start off with kind of like, you, you know, two important origin type stories. And one is, I feel like everybody, and you must feel that everybody, my generation, even the current generation, every young person reads your books not only for entertainment, but because they're trying to find out something about themselves. And you were like the only friend in some way who would tell us. And yet our adult, our reading patterns change as we become adults. Like we read for entertainment. We read for lots of other reasons. We don't necessarily read to find out more about ourselves. That's not our first agenda. But with your books, they were. And why, what, why do you think reading habits change from, from childhood to adulthood? Uh, I'm not sure that they do. I'm not sure that what you just said is true for everybody. I think people who read fiction, we read fiction to be taken out of our own lives, to to um, get insight into other people's lives as well as our own lives. So, and, and certainly to be entertained and um, and to learn new things. So, I don't, I don't necessarily agree with what you said. You know, that that's interesting because, for instance, let's just take, you know, not only sex, but all of the things about um, puberty and growing up and even 
bullying and feeling inferior. Uh, I felt like I learned from your books on how to deal with those issues. And if, you know, again, I agree with you. We always learn things in books, but I don't go to books now to, to solve a, a deep personal problem in the way that your books solved those problems for me when I was younger. That's because you have other places to go and you have people to talk to. You have other ways to gain that insight. Um, I, I, that's not why I wrote my books. And I would, you know, I would argue with you that, I wouldn't argue with you because every reader is entitled to get whatever he or she gets out of a book, you know, and everybody has different needs at different ages. That's true. But I would tell you as a writer, you know, I was writing about the characters. I wasn't writing um, to give young readers a place to go to find out answers to their questions. Although I surely would have gone to those books myself. I mean, especially Margaret and Dee, um, you know, maybe then again, maybe I won't. I mean, I, I, I was desperate for information. Well, well, well that, that's interesting because you're right. I think people, uh, uh, kids read them because they like them. Um, rather than saying, oh, I need to find out what puberty is, so I'm going to pull this book off the bookshelf. But, yeah, no, you know, right. So, so you, so you uh, and you still do this, and we'll get to this when we talk about in an unlikely event, you basically were connecting with this this honesty and truth that was about yourself and how what you were going through as a kid, and you perhaps didn't know who to go to, and so you wrote the, you wrote your truths in those books. Not necessarily. Okay. <laughs> Disagree. Keep, keep disagreeing with me. Arguing with you about this, I don't mean to, but that's okay. I mean, I I was writing out of a deep personal need to to um, have a place for my creative energy to go when I couldn't find any other place for it because I had it all the time that I was in school outlets for it. I was always a creative kid. I had, you know my own fantasies and secrets and um, imagination. And then I grew up more or less. I wouldn't say that I was exactly grown up when I started to write, but I was in a grown up situation. I, you know, was married and I had two little babies. Um, but I wouldn't say that I had made it into the world of grown ups exactly. But I needed a, that, I needed that outlet for my creative, my creative self and my imagination. And so what I was doing was, you know, I, I was a storyteller always, even when I was a little kid. I didn't know it. I mean, I didn't tell anybody my stories, but I certainly always made up the stories inside my head. They were there. And I didn't exactly know what to do with them, but I surely enjoyed them very, very much. Well, well, I you just know, never told anybody they were there. You, you know, you brought up something in a, in a couple of different interviews that you've done, which is that, you know, you kind of, as you said, you were like sort of a storyteller as a, as a child. You were, you were creative in your head all through your childhood. And then you kind of got on this normal track where, you know, we married two kids and you felt like you said you felt like your fate was sealed at, at 25, and then you started, you said writing saved your life. And what, what do you mean by that? It did save my life. I think it, 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 it made my life, and 
It saved my life. Until I started to write, I was sick all the time. Um, You know, I had two babies. I had a lot of responsibility, and I loved taking care of them. I still love babies. Um, But I was always sick. I just had one exotic illness after another. And once... um, once I started writing, it was like I was letting all that bad stuff out. I was letting it out. It had a place to go. It didn't have to make me sick anymore. And and then I I how do you think didn't that works sick anymore? How, how do you think that works like biologically? Like why why do you think you didn't get sick anymore? Because I had. I don't know. I need to be on your sofa here. You need to be sitting there, doctor. Um, I, I, I feel I, like now I'm asking you a question you haven't been asked before because you, you paused. Well, yeah, I can pause. Right, I always pause to think about it. It's like every time it's the first time. Yes. Um, I, I think that I just, you know, found the satisfaction. Again, I, I just think it had a place to go. It had a place to go where I could let all this stuff out because I never could admit to being unhappy or unfulfilled. You know, it was a, I grew up in the fifties and everything was changing. I had these little kids and this suburban marriage. It was the early sixties and everything was changing everywhere around me. I wanted to be part of it all. I wanted to be out there and part of it. And and I think writing um, allowed me to be less frustrated and under less stress. And it just it just made me happy to wake up every morning. You know, a lot of people listening to this. So pe- people listen, let's say, on their commute to work or in the gym or maybe in their cubicle at their job. A lot of people feel stuck in their lives, maybe in a similar way to how you felt stuck when you were younger. What what mm-hmm. can what can they do to change their faith the way you changed yours? Well, I didn't know I was changing my faith. I mean, that's the thing. You know, you never know this. It's not like, well, I'm going to change my faith. <laughs> I'm going to start writing. I mean, I didn't know anything. And um, these things happen by themselves. But I think if you do feel stuck, no matter how you feel stuck, you have to figure that out yourself. You, you know, um, I can't tell you how to do it. I, I, mean, I, I just think you have to, you have to go for it. You I mean, have well, to make an effort. One, one uh, thing you mentioned was that how, as a child, you had all this creative energy and you were a storyteller then. So at the age of 25 or whenever you first started writing your first book, you you kind of touched in you touched you touched back into what was what you loved as a child and and perhaps that's a a, a technique. Um. Yes, I felt. I also. I mean, there was a lot of there was a lot going on in my life. I felt lonely. I I missed the friendships that I had all the time I was in school. Um, again, things were very different. You know, I tried to fit in in my neighborhood, in my little cul-de-sac, and um, I just, I'm, I'm a friendly person, and so I used to long for those friendships. And 
I didn't find the same kinds of friendships I had when I was in school, and and I miss that very much. Um, and I understand now how important friendship is in a life, no matter how happy you are with your family. And for 36 years, you know, I've been in an incredibly happy relationship. Um, and I'm going to get to that too in a little bit, but we'll, we'll yeah, hold my off kid, on that. and my kids are growing up, but. But, but friendship, um, friendship is really, really an important part of life. I think for everyone at every age throughout so, so, your life. So there's this idea, or I'm going to say I have this idea that art kind of takes people to a dark place and then brings us back somehow changed. And I feel like in your last book, and in all your books, but in your last book, I want to talk about particular, in an unlikely event, you, you certainly do that because the, the, the dark place is the fact that we're all afraid of uncertainty and the uncertainty that could happen in our lives and, and the fear of it and how we deal with that. Would you say that's kind of this overriding theme of the book? Um. You're interesting because you're bringing up a lot of um, good stuff. I wish we had more time to talk about it. Is that the theme of the book? Well, again, I'm a person who never knows what the theme of her book is until I read it somewhere or somebody says it to me. It's like, oh, wait a minute. Is that what I was doing? To me, I was telling a story about, you know, basically three families and Oh, I'm really bad at talking about my book. And a, and a time and a place and events that happen that um, that change their lives uh, in many, many important ways. And it is very dark, yes. It's, it does take them into a very dark place. And, of course, you know, the, the, the dark stuff is based on, inspired by the truth of um, what happened in my town when I was growing up, when I was 14 years old. And the most interesting part of that to me is I had this story. I never forgot this story. I had this story that I had put someplace deep, deep inside, but I never forgot about it. And how come, you know, I'm a writer for 40-plus years. I don't even know how many years anymore. And I never thought to tell this story until now. And I can't answer that. I don't know. Um, you know, it hit me like a boing when, um, when... A writer now, Rachel Kushner. Rachel Kushner had just written her first novel, and she came to the Key West Literary Seminar, and she was one of our young, new voices in in fiction. And she was on stage, and she was talking about being inspired by stories her mother told her about having grown up in the 50s in Cuba. The part of that I heard, the part of that that was the zinger was in the 50s. And by the time I left that auditorium that afternoon, I had um, 
all of the characters and story. I mean, it, this is never how it worked with me. I knew where it was going. I knew everything about it. And it was like, I have to write this story, and I have to write it immediately. I have to tell the story. I have to get it out from inside. And I started doing my research. Um, that was over a weekend on Monday morning. And five years later, you might ask me why it took so long since it all came to me in a moment. It's a lot harder to write it all down than it is to think it in that moment. Um, I I had to get to work, and I did. So, so and, um, I mean, yeah. it, it, it's, it's interesting because a lot of your um, young adult books from earlier, you've mentioned you would write them so quickly, and... Um, you know, and and how long this took, uh, it, it, there, it's definitely different than how your your older approach. Well, I mean, you know, it's four hundred pages and four hundred and something pages, and and um, it required a lot of research, and uh, you know, instead of being told by a single narrator, it's told by. Right. <laughs> 40 different people. It's not really 40, but they all do come together. I like books like that. I'm reading a book like that now that I am absolutely loving. My husband and I, are. we were listening to it. We had eight hours in a car, and we listened to it for eight hours. And, What's the book? And it goes on for 900 pages. And so it's, we have to... We have to carve out the time every day. It's called um, City on Fire. City on Fire. And okay, I'm going to read that. So uh, sp- speaking of your husband, I wanted to ask you, and this is like really just a personal question. I read that you and your husband lived together ever since your second date. And now you've been together oh. 36 <laughs> years. Like, Go ahead. Finish is, the question. I'm sorry. I interrupted you. No, so now you've been together 36 years. And so people would say that's like, you know, a very, um, you know, everybody now is like, you know, oh, you have to do, you know, you have to like really see if you like the person. How did you know uh, right away Uh, that this is it? Oh, we didn't. We didn't. We were crazy. You know, it was the end of the 70s. It was in New Mexico. Things were different. And I don't know. I mean, yeah, we went out on a blind date on Sunday night, fixed up, by the way, introduced really by his ex-wife. Um, which was very nice of That's her. That's odd of <laughs> Actually, he, she gave him four names. He came out to visit, and she gave him four names, and he asked his 12-year-old daughter, Amanda, Amanda, which of these four women do you think I should, you know, go out to dinner with? And she was like, Dad, you know, she was 12 years old. She was reading all my books. Dad, go out with Judy Bloom. And so we went out to dinner on a Sunday night. We had a nice time. We went to see Apocalypse Now at the movies on Monday night. Great, great and, first date movie. Yeah, fell asleep on his shoulder. <laughs> and um, on Tuesday night, oh, I was seeing someone else. And then he called after. And we had what we call then a late date. And, um, you know, again, it was such a different time. I mean, it was so completely different. And yes, he stayed over and he never left. (laughs) We will be celebrating 36 years together in a couple of weeks. So, and, and you know what? I mean, we did, we did take a chance and, and it was crazy. And I 
would never recommend to my kids or to anyone else that you do this. And But we kind of made a bargain that we were going to try this. We liked each other, and we were going to... We were, he, he was a law professor, and so he was always writing up some contract that we were going to sign. For six months, we were going to sign a contract that we were going to spend six months together. And he was always working on this. He was working on this, and six months passed, and a year, and six years. And he never did get together this contract. But um, What do you think makes it work for 30, 36 years? What makes it work? Yeah, well, I'm, I'm asking well, getting totally through the, selfishly. Getting through the first years was, was harder because we didn't know each other. And we had to get to know each other and, and understand always that we respected each other and liked each other enough to get through that. I mean, that, that's the hard part. Now, um, well, now, you know, it's, it's so deep and it's so um, important to our lives, our well-being, everything. Um, you know, I think the older we grow, we get, and the longer we've been together, the better it gets, and the more we appreciate each other. That's nice. Um, so when you get to be 77, you know, you and you start losing friends, and you understand how important this is and how wonderful it is and how lucky you are to have it. And it's, it sounds like it's because you're really good friends with him. We are very good friends. We are totally different personalities and maybe that um, is good. You know, he's really easygoing and um, nothing phases him. And I would say that I am not that way, but it it rubs off on me, and I think some of my, you know, high-energy craziness um, rubs off on him, and we just really have a good time together. And I have one more question. I, I know your time is, is limited. Um, I have, it's okay. This is fun. Well, good, good. Um, well, I have two young daughters, and who would you say... I mean, other than you, because they also read you. But who who are the new generation of Judy Blooms today? Like, who who do you like? A, who do you like as a young adult author, and who are your influences? Uh well, I I don't like you know who is the new Judy Bloom because I'm still here. No, I know I'm here, and my and, books and are they're here. still reading you, and I've got a lot of young um, young writer friends. And I try to be, you know, supportive of them, and I love them. And um, I couldn't start to name names because if I left one out, the, uh, you know, she or he would feel badly. But, but I love to um, encourage new writers for young people because they'll bring different experiences and different time frames and all kinds of new things to the books. And so there are a lot of them. I never wrote YA. Let's just get that straight because there was no YA when I was writing those early books that you were talking about. Um, even when I wrote Forever, there was no such thing as YA. And so, you know, nobody knew what to do with it. Today, that would be published YA. But my other books, like Margaret and and 
Andini and the others, they're not really YA books. They're really um, more on the cusp books. You know, I think kids are reading them younger, like 10. How old are your daughters? Uh, 13 and 16. So they've kind of like have been. Oh, have, well. They've yeah, done your well, books and now, now they're doing some John Green. They're doing uh, Traveling Sisterhood or whatever. Well, I, I mean, I love John Green. He's wonderful. And um, and there are a lot of other wonderful younger writers. But your 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 sixteen year old is surely ready to read adult books. I mean, I would think I would give her Summer Sisters. Yeah, that's a good idea. I will. Um, yeah. So so you know, I bet you a lot of people come up to you just like I came up to you in the beginning of this podcast and say, you know, what. Well, when I was 12, I felt like you were the only person that really understood me. Like somehow some things you were writing were resonating deep inside me. Do you have stories? Like has anybody come up to you and anything that stood out where you've been really touched um, by what these people have said about your writing? All the time. And, and what I tell them, you know, I've been going around, I've been on a book tour since last, the first of June, and um, I'm going to my my 32nd and final city, the grand finale this weekend, and it is Atlanta, and um, I can't wait to go, and then I can't wait to be done, and I'm never doing it again. It's been wonderful, but really hard, and in each city. We've been in a big venue, maybe 700 to 1,000 people. Um, and I understand what it is. It's, it's, I represent childhood. I represent maybe yours, maybe the childhood of so many of my readers and fans and even, you know, those who have grown up with me and continue to read my books. Um, I think when somebody represents your childhood, you know, that's special. And I am so lucky that so many people tell me that. Well, you know, it's funny, like, you know, with, with the book tour and, and how you're never going to do it again. And I assume you're going to continue writing more and more books. Like, you know, now on the Internet, like we're on this podcast, over 100,000 people are going to listen to this podcast you should do the podcast tour next time. Then you could sit at home. <laughs> yeah, I would. I think I would. I definitely. I, I, I'm done with that kind of, you know, traveling around like that. I'm just so, so lucky that it went well and, you know, in every city and really lucky that I didn't get sick because I have terrible sinuses. And when I fly, I usually get sick. But. I have some good doctors who gave me some wonderful tricks and meds and um, kept me healthy for the whole thing. I can't believe that. I'm afraid to say it. It's like my mother would say, poo, 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 don't say it, don't say it, knock on wood and all of that because I still have to fly one more time Saturday and Sunday and then I won't be doing it again for a while. So what, what's, the next, what's the next book? Oh, Please, I'm taking time off. I, you know what I feel? I feel like I just was sitting in this room in Key West um, where I'm lucky enough to work facing a garden with the doors open. I, I just finished this book, really and truly. I didn't finish 
until maybe last February. I don't know. And then I sat in here and signed 20,000 um, what they call tip-in sheets. And now I have it in pin shoulder from all that signing. And I went on the tour and I'm still touring. And now they're talking about the paperback coming out in May. And I'm like, whoa, 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 hold on here. I'm still getting to the hardcover tour. Um, let's not rush me. And so I'm, I'm not really going to be writing another book this winter. Well, Judy Bloom, I have to say thank you because you've changed so much and influenced so much of my life. And even this podcast, some of the ideas and, and things you brought up are, are very inspiring. And I really appreciate you coming on my podcast. Your, your latest book is In an Unlikely Event. I highly recommend it. It has just as much effect as any young adult book I read by you. And uh, uh, I'm just so grateful you came on. Well, thank you so much, and I hope your readers will read In the Unlikely Event. It's a very special book for me, and um, it means a lot to me. So thank you so much for talking to me. This was fun. Yeah, and uh, your next book, which I know you're eventually going to write, I'm, I'm going to encourage you to do the podcast tour instead and start with me. <laughs> that sounds great. Okay, I'll remember that. Thanks, Judy. I'll talk to you soon. All right. Bye. Great. Thanks. Bye-bye. For more from James, check out the James Altucher Show on the Stansberry Radio Network at stansberryradio.com and get yourself on the free insiders list today. It's time to take your career to the next level. With over 150 graduate degree programs, the Catholic University of America, located in Washington, D.C., provides world-class academics with a student experience that educates the whole person, mind, body, and spirit. Whether your professional calling is in engineering, nursing, social work, or any of our other exceptional degree programs, encounter the best of everything that Catholic University has to offer and discover the best in yourself. Learn more today at catholic.edu forward slash gradadmissions.